Hello and welcome. You're listening to Ask Akar Anything on Audiomatic, supported by Flow.in. That's F-L-O-H dot in. Send in your recorded questions to aaa at audiomatic.in. You can also visit our website, audiomatic.in, and get in touch with us through Facebook and Twitter. Hi, my name is Shreya Singh and my question to you is, what is your personal policy on beggars that approach you? To give or not to give? And why? Shreya, let me start with the story. 20 years ago, 1995, I read in a newspaper that I was working for a little piece that had come from R.K. Lakshman, uh, the cartoonist for the Times of India. And he was asked uh, what he did when confronted uh, by uh, beggars. And he said this, he said he liked traveling in the ambassador. And the reason was that in the modern low-slung cars, the beggar looked down on you. In the ambassador, he looked down on the beggar and that made him feel in charge. I thought that was quite petty of the man. I have never really liked him or his work. And I have always wondered why he has been so revered. Uh, So far as I go, I have the same dilemma as you do, uh, which I can sense from your question and many of us do, which is what what is to be done given the fact that we are uh, confronted by uh, beggars almost every day. Uh, I try and keep some change in the car. Uh, I think air conditioning in cars has has more or less changed the way that beggars operate on the traffic stops. They can't really access people uh, and plead with them too much when the window is up. Uh, When I don't have change, I don't give the money. But it is a question that never really leaves me, and I know why you are asking it. Should we give and go down the route of the old middle-class tale that you're spoiling them for life, or should we be humane and give the money? At this point, I would say give the money. I hope I remember that the next time a beggar comes to me. Also on email, this question from Raman Gupta. Rahul Yadav, the former CEO of Housing.com, from his public ousting to his nasty letters to his investors, has been behaving in a very eccentric manner. Do you think this is typical of the current entrepreneurship culture in India, where youngsters achieve success and fame, but don't know how to handle it? I do not think it's typical. The typical very young CEO, particularly of companies that come out of the internet, they tend to be from particular communities. Banias mostly, uh, for instance, the Bansals of uh, Flipkart, they tend to be very conservative, both in the way that they approach capital and also the way that they approach people. I think that they are cautious, they are not reckless. Uh, If you were to observe what Rahul Yadav has done. He might be very bright, and I'm sure he is, but the way that he handles relationships with the people he works with uh, and he takes money from is quite reckless. Uh, So I think uh, he's different in that sense. He's a very young man and clearly quite talented. I wish him very well, and I hope in his next stint he brings in not just his brilliance, but also a little bit of uh, conservatism on how to handle people. People are always complaining that there aren't enough single men and women around. Flow.in is a great platform that is connecting singles in real life. Here is one of their users sharing his experience. Hi, I'm Puneet and I'm a management consultant by profession. I'm working with a strategy consulting firm in Mumbai. Meeting people is relatively easier. Knowing people is quite difficult. All of us are going through a a phase of a very organized way of operating. 
in terms of looking for life partners and that is we can say a biggest contribution would be through matrimonial sites however in india there is a significant pressure when you start meeting people which means that you know if you're meeting someone through a matrimonial site you would have to close a deal or it it has become more transactional in nature forums like flow uh, where there is a group interaction that happens i think uh, that has two big advantages it's, it's easy to interact plus while everybody knows that they are looking for love i think that is not the primary agenda the primary agenda is to have an event to enjoy the event because it is very important to know a person for at least some time let's say be it 3 months 6 months or whatever to really know a person and going you know to go forward what has conceptually changed pre flow and post flow is that now you have that kind of a breathing space or that kind of flexibility of knowing people more before going into the final decision of getting married and settling down i think i think the the kind of people i've met are just brilliant i mean uh, one the wide range of people who are who attend such events a lots of people who turn up are let's say into um, let's say a hairstylist right or a person who's into uh, who who's an entrepreneur who's selling some music so i think the wide the eclectic range of people itself is fascinating the idea is to meet more and more people so clicks it clicks flow.in that's f l o h .in connecting singles in real life Hi my name is Nikita I would like to ask you a question America will vote for a new president in 2016 how much attention should we pay to these elections do you think they are likely to affect us in any significant way I do not think they are likely to affect us in any significant way but I think we still ought to pay some attention because they are so entertaining I think US elections after the ones in India are the most fun to observe particularly if you have people like Donald Trump in the race a total nut job but very entertaining So far as US India relations go I think the US has chosen its friends over a century they they are Europe and Israel it doesn't have too many other natural friendships it tends to have transactional ones it calls India a strategic partner but I don't really know in what sense that is we are a very small player in the global economy we can't really be a balance to China no matter how much we think of ourselves we are less than a fourth of the size of china by way of gdp i don't think that is going to change the threats to the us on the other hand come mainly from china and russia so india is neither a threat nor particularly uh, a large ally so i think that no matter who becomes president the relationship the sort of bonhomie we have with the us will not change but it will be entertaining Joy Bharucha emails this question Prime Minister Modi has visited many countries in Asia during his 13 months in office including Kazakhstan Uzbekistan Mongolia Bhutan and Bangladesh do you think there is a larger strategy at work here or this is to keep himself in the news constantly perhaps it is both Mr Bharucha If it is a strategy I think it is an odd one if you want to be close to the central asian economies for instance for their gas and their natural resources we cannot do that without being friendly with pakistan there is no land route that brings gas from central asia into india without going through pakistan so if you are hostile to pakistan as mr modi has been it makes absolutely no sense to then be friendly or overly friendly with the central asian countries because what you want from them they cannot give you on the other hand i think that india has been quite conservative in the way that it has looked at foreign relations uh, we haven't 
projected our power, so to speak. That's what most in the strategic community think. And I'm all for being more friendly with more nations. Whether this comes out of a sense of Mr. Modi wanting to be on television more or whether he thinks that there is genuinely some sense of purpose to the way that he's going about it, I do not know. My guess is it is both. But I think it's too early to tell. I think in the next two years, three years in office is a good enough time to know what a man is thinking. I think by about 2018 or so, we should know really well what it is that Mr. Modi is up to. If you ask all of India's neighbors, if you look at them and you ask yourself, who is it that thinks that India is a good and friendly place? Uh, how many of them think this? The answer will likely be zero. We don't have good relations with Pakistan and China for obvious reasons. We don't have good relations with Nepal and Bangladesh. We don't have good relations with Bhutan. We don't have good relations with Lanka. At some point, you have to sit back and ask yourself, is it because all the rest are very bad people or is it something within us? Perhaps it is both. But even if it is both, I think it is incumbent on us to reach out to them, being the larger nation in most instances. And I'm glad Mr. Modi is doing it. I'm Kathan Oryal from Mumbai. And I would like to know which metro in India do you think it's the easiest to live in, um, considering housing, working opportunities, people, leisure and cost of living? Without a doubt, that city is Calcutta. I think one might not see it as a working person city, but you would be astonished to see the options for public transport they have from the hand-pulled rickshaws to the metro, to the trams, to uh, taxis, uh, every sort of option uh, for every sort of budget, which is very unusual. I don't think that there are too many cities in India where you can get around uh, easily or as easily as you can in, in Calcutta. Uh, Bengalis have this this uh, cultural thing about them. It's very easy to strike up a conversation about things that you might not have a conversation about in, say, uh, Surat, which is where I'm from, or northern India. You could talk about football. You could talk about politics in a more substantial way than you might be able to do in most parts of India. Um, they tend to be exporters of people because there hasn't been too much work in the city of Calcutta. I think that it has become a power surplus city. Uh, and the reason for that is not that they've added too much power, but the fact that the industries have gone and power that used to go to them now comes to the people. I'm quite fond of that city. I think it has many aspects to it, which many other cities don't. I, I'm a big fan of the idea that um, a couple of decades from now, it might be the premier city in this uh, country, uh, given all the talent it has. I could be wrong, um, but I don't think I'll be very far off from being wrong. I think that there will be resurgence and a revival and such a bright group of people uh, can do nothing other than uh, to be successful, and I think it will be. Hi, Akbar. This is Noor from Delhi, and I have a question for you. On my drive from Delhi to Noida and back every day, I encounter many people who are invariably male, driving bicycles, motorcycles, and cars down the wrong side of the road. To what cultural trait do you ascribe this primitive and pathologically dangerous behavior? The cultural trait, Noor, I would ascribe it to is being Hobbesian, which is the condition of thinking that the world is against you and you are alone. If you care to observe temples in India, they are the only places of worship 
which don't have congregational space, by which I mean one-on-one versus a large crowd of people worshipping together. All the Semitic faiths and Sikhism tend to pray as a group. Hindus pray one-on-one. The idea is that it is you with God. The idea of the yagna or fire sacrifice is to offer something to God in exchange for something taken away from somebody else. So there is a Hobbesian sense that runs through our culture. I think that explains many things, not just our behavior in traffic, but for instance, the fact that Indian billionaires don't give their wealth away. Cheers to Azim Premji for changing that recently. But for the most part, it is not seen as society from which we develop benefit, but our own luck, our God, and our personal uh, vertical relationship with God, as opposed to our horizontal relationship with uh, our fellow man. So we shouldn't be surprised that we think of taking advantage where we can find it. Everybody does this. Sachin Tendulkar refuses to pay for the Ferrari that he was gifted, didn't want to pay the customs duty, asked the government to pay it. This is not normal behavior, asking the poor of India, Uh, to pay for your baubles, but this is the way most of us are. And I think that this is not something we can point to individuals and blame them for it. This is something in our culture. I think it comes to us mainly from our faith, which in my opinion is Hobbesian. If you look at many other parts of the world that are also poor, for instance, Sri Lanka, they don't have the behavior on the streets as we do. They tend to have teachers who go to school and teach when they are paid. They have doctors and nurses who go to hospitals and treat people when they are paid. It's not like India at all. I ascribe that to Theravada Buddhism. I think uh, that religion in mostly illiterate societies or neo-literate societies, ones that have had proper literacy for only three or four generations, a lot of the values, a lot of the culture comes from faith. If your faith tells you that society is vertically ordered, that it is uh, your personal relationship with God and not your horizontal relationship with society, that is the most important thing, you will be selfish. I don't think there is any getting around that. Tamanna Bhattacharya, email question. If you were stuck on a desert island, what are the five things you would keep with you other than communication and travel equipment? The first thing I would ask for is another human being, uh, preferably five of them. If we were not to consider them things and I had to actually pick out objects, I would say all the books in the world, all the booze in the world, uh, and that would do me just fine. I wouldn't need the other three things. To be alone, to be in solitude uh, is to be contemplative. And the one way to look inwards is through alcohol. The one way to look outwards is through literature and history. Um, I think um, beyond these two, not much else is needed. My wife had a very interesting answer when I asked her something similar, which is that if you had only one thing that you could eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? She thought about it for a minute and said cyanide. Thank you for listening to Ask Akar Anything on Audiomatic. Keep sending your recorded questions in. Just email them to me at aaa at audiomatic.in. You can also tune in to all the other shows on audiomatic.in. Ask Akar Anything is supported by flow.in. That's F-L-O-H dot I-N. Connecting singles in real life. Audiomatic. You can find us at audiomatic.in or look for our shows on SoundCloud, iTunes and Stitcher.